I just wanted to share a little testimony that ended up with a big result. Um, before I found Christ, I had been through a lot. I was from abuse to a single mom, from being scared. And I went through all that, and all along God was with me. But I didn't know that until I found Jesus Christ. And now he is using all of my struggles and all of my past storms for his glory because for example the single moms ministry is blessing my heart i work with uh pastor lauren and um oh my gosh these women are so beautiful and i can use my storm my past storms to glorify god and god is good so if you give it to him it is done you have to believe that and walk knowing that he is there he is a person yes you know you got to talk to him you got to write to him you got to sing to him you got to worship him because he is holy and he is there there are so many more testimonies i can say right now but i don't have time but anyways um i just want to thank god for saving me and for allowing me to use everything i've been through for other people so I want to read a scripture from Psalms 118.17, and it says, I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done in my life. So let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for saving a single mother, someone that was on the floor. Thank you, Jesus, for that beautiful relationship you have poured into me, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for showing me what it is to forgive freely. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we pray today. We welcome you. You are here. Holy Spirit, move. Oh, Father God, we are just praising you, and we just thank you, God, for MPI, Father God, for our visitors, Lord, for leadership, Father God. For families, for new guests, Father God, thank you, Jesus. And we are here, Lord, to worship you because you are worthy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, come on, an attitude of worship, tell you worthy of our praise. Worthy, Lord. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. Worthy, God. Oh, I can't. How many of y'all ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. Let me sing it out from the highest. From the highest stone. To the earth below, you lay down your life for the likes of us. Praise the love of a Savior. From the highest stone to the earth below, you lay down your life for the likes of us. 
Great is the love of a Savior, Lord of this life. Let your glory shine forever and all the earth, and all the earth, and sing your praise. From the mountain heights to the So, Jesus, we live for your glory. But from the rising sun to the still of night, every waking moment for your delight. Yes, Jesus, we live for your glory. The Lord of this life, let your glory shine. And everything Cause we live for your glory Live for your glory Cause we can be Sing it out Cause we live for your glory Live for your glory Cause we can be exalted we sing, God be exalted, God be exalted, it's everything, yes, we live for your glory, live for your glory, the Lord of this life, let your glory shine forever, it's all the earth, it's all the earth, we sing your praise, Hope of every heart Let your faith sing the hearts We sing your praise Go sing Gabi Sing Gabi exalted We'll sing it out this morning With everything We lift you up, O oh Lord Your name be lifted higher, 
of God not because he needs it it's because of who he is you know that before the creation of the earth before anything that we know existed God is before the universe before the stars the galaxies before the earth was formed God God, you are good. God, you are great. There is no one like you, God. Well, right now from your heart, would you just tell them that? Come on, take a couple moments before we move on. We don't want it to be karaoke. We don't want it to be, we want it to be a heartfelt worship for the Lord. Oh, it's for you all.
Position yourself in a place of total surrender. Come on. We come here trusting fully in Jesus and in his power. Come on. If this morning you're not at a place where you can fully trust God, maybe you're looking to things around and maybe you're looking at the problem is too big. Come on. Position yourself. Place yourself under God right now. Say, God, I'm trusting you. It's a heart position. Come on. Oh, hard hearts, God. Hard hearts. Make them soft. Oh, fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. With your love.
sing like a rushing, like a rushing wind. Jesus breathe Lord have your way, Lord have your way in me. Like a
us, oh God, with your power, with your victory, Lord. Blow in this place, Holy Spirit, the wind of God.
let's lift up our hands all across this room. For those of you who, are, who may be new to something like that, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. We believe that the Holy Spirit likes to flow freely and words of prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom can come forth. And I just feel the main message from most of these words is God is just longing for intimacy with us. And so in your hearts right now, wherever you are, if you have strayed away just a little bit, if your heart and you're saved and you have a relationship with Jesus, but your heart has grown cold, it's grown cold to a lot of his commands. It's grown cold to coming to church. It's grown cold to serving Christ in his body. We need to repent this morning and ask God for a fresh fire. So between you and the Lord, just lift up your voices and say, God, I repent for my cold heart. I repent for turning away from you. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your love in this room this morning. You're wooing us. You're drawing us closer, God, to intimacy, to new levels with you, God. I pray that you would expand our capacity to feel you and to embrace you in this place. Oh, Jesus, forgive us, God. We do not want to become lukewarm. We do not want to lose our first love. You are the lover of our soul. You are the lover of our soul. Oh, you are good. We serve a good God. For those of you in this place who may not know Jesus, I just want to let you know he is good. And he is your heavenly father. And you may have had an earthly father who was not good to you. But I want to let you know that we have an awesome God who we call our heavenly father. And he is good. And the Bible says to taste and see that he is good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He died so you could live. And that's why we worship. And that's why we live for him. And that's why we lift our voices. Woo! Let's sing this one more time. Fresh wind. Jesus, stir a wind inside of us. Jesus, You mean that this morning? Let's sing that one more time. Yes, one more time. Jesus, breathe within us, God. The rivers of living water rush inside of us. More of you and less of me. More of you and less of me, God. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Give him a hand clap all across this room. 
God, you are good and what you do is good. King of kings and Lord of lords, we bless you, we honor you, God. Slap somebody high five and say, God is here. Amen. You may be seated as we dismiss the children, infant, kindergarten, all the way up to 11 years old. If you would go to the back, they're going to lead you out to the children's ministry. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're going to do something special today, so band, you can be seated. We'll leave up our wonderful keyist, uh, pianist up here. But I'm going to call forward all of our pastoral elders. As they come, would you just bless the Lord for them and their lives? Amen. My wife, Nancy, stand here for me, please. Well, as a matter of fact, you're going to stand next to me. Chris and Vanessa right here. Come right here and stand in front of me. We're going to bless you guys today. As a matter of fact, would you turn and face the congregation so they can see you? Two of our pastors are on vacation. In his, where's Pastor Chris? Isn't it his birthday? Oh. These are your pastors. Can we bless the Lord for them today? Amen. And we really uh, are thankful for them. You guys can face me now. Uh, we're just so thankful for you guys and what you do for Jesus. And we know that during, you know, pastor appreciation, a lot of times people think about, you know, the senior pastor. But you have been instructed as, as well of our, as our team has been instructed to not do anything for me that we don't do for all of you. Because we don't look at ministry that way. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, if we could turn down the keys just a little bit, please. If you look at in the Bible, the idea of a senior pastor doesn't exist. It's elders and deacons. Okay? And that's why if you look at our website, we have elders and deacons. And some of you have been for ordination and different things. We're going to have one next month, praise God. But this is the way you guys call me pastor, and that's good. That's okay. I'm a pastor. What does that mean? I shepherd, right? But that's not the office that I had to fulfill. The office I had to fulfill was one of an elder. So I want you to open your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to put it on the screen. But not only I had to fulfill this but these men and women here have had to fulfill this. You can call us pastors, and we want to do that for pastor appreciation. But the more biblical term is elder. Everybody say elder. You'll never find in the Bible the term Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul, Pastor anything. It just is used more as an adjective. The word pastor just means shepherding. So when Peter speaks to his congregation in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, I as an elder speak to the elders among you to shepherd God's flock. Matter of fact, let's just turn there first. 1 Peter chapter 5, then we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And you guys are getting some exercise right now. Stand it up. It's not awkward, right? We're all standing together. 1 Peter chapter 5, I want you to see so then you'll come back to this. Every season of ordination, I don't think it's any coincidence, you know, we're ordaining next month as well. So every season, I want you to understand who we are as a church. Our doctrines, beliefs are the same as any other church you'll ever go to that believes in the Holy Spirit, you know, the Assemblies of God, Church of God in Christ, non-denominational, great churches in our city. But where we may differ just a slight bit is that we're a discipleship-based church, and what that means is we're here to raise up disciples that make disciples, and our leadership structure reflects that. If we have the difference between the clergy and the laity, then we're doing something unbiblical. I believe the difference between the clergy and the laity, the priests and the people, 
is a matter of training and accountability. But I believe all of us have been called to minister, to teach, and to preach. But if you just think I'm the pastor and you're not, or they're not, then we have a problem. Because the word pastoring means shepherding God's people. When our deacons begin to lead life groups, like how you heard from Cynthia today, Cynthia is pastoring God's people. She is doing the work of a pastor. Cynthia does more of the work of a pastor than most pastors preaching on Sunday because somehow we've cor uh, correlated the guy preaching on Sunday is pastoring. No, what the guy's doing on Sunday is teaching. That's what I'm doing. I am teaching you. Pastoring happens in relationships. So I'm just going to explain it to you. For the, a lot of you are new, and here you'll see it. And it's all on our website, and it's all on our discipleship. So you get it. To the elders. So what do you say? To the what? Thank you. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. So Peter, the apostle Peter writing this. That's a pretty big mamma jamma in the church, right? Some people call Peter a what? No, not just a saint. What do they call Peter? The a pope, the first pope. Anybody hear that before? Peter was the first pope, and you got to kiss the pope's ring, and he wears a funny hat and dresses up like mother, and we have to call him father. Frills and chills and that all that stuff. Everybody go, Pah. we don't want that here, do we? None of that. Say to hell with religion. None of it here. <laughs> now listen, he said, not me, he said, to the elders, I, Peter, the guy you think is so awesome, appeal to you as what? A, I want to just illustrate this today. I just, all the elders just come stand up here real quick. I just want you to hear this. I, Joe, the one who started the church, preaches to you every Sunday, drops it like it hot for Jesus. I appeal to these elders as a fellow elder. Get it? We are elders here. And what do we do? I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Pastor Berto is an awesome elder to this flock. Amen. We appreciate his shepherding here. His wife, Griselda, is an awesome example. She does wonderful. Nancy Wyrostic. Adam with the youth. Chris and Vanessa with prayer nights. Me on Sundays for myself. Hallelujah. Do you have good elders shepherding you here? Amen. And so October, somebody put on the calendar just like they did for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Somebody came up with Pastor Appreciation Day right? It's a good thing. But most people in the American church want to say, let's take the pastor and his wife and send them to Honolulu. Let's bless them because they just put up with us all year long and they loved us. And I put a stop to that a long time ago. If you want to do that, that's fine. But don't call it pastor appreciation because if you can't do it for all of us, don't do it for one of us. Paul, uh, Peter, just go right down so, uh, up again to the first verse. He said, I appeal to the elders among you as a fellow elder. So I just want to ask you now, 
as we begin to pray for these elders, we have a guest elder. He is with us in our board on the church as an apostolic elder overseeing, helping us to do our job. Just because every elder, I think, needs an elder. Every disciple should be being discipled. Are you all tracking with me? So we have these wonderful saints of the Lord who've been serving God collectively over 100 years, over 100 years of ministry. Just Pastor Carolyn's been serving the Lord 60 plus years. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that testimony? Just think about that. Now, I'm going to hand the mic to them, and you're going to get to know them as guest speakers, and it's going to be fun, weird, awkward, and all that. Maybe a little strange, but I'm just going to hand it to him, and he can do whatever he wants now, but I just wanted to do that part. But no, turn with me real quick before I do. First Timothy chapter 3, so you can just see what they have to do and why they are the way they are, just so you can see how to pray for them. Everybody say pray for them. Shouldn't we pray for everybody up here? Amen. We should pray for Chris. Chris has a continual problem with migraines. That's why he's not here today. Any of you in the medical field, offer her some advice. Help her get the right touch, the right doctors. We need to figure out what's going on. Those who have prayer, gifts of healing, pray for healing. Because these migraines have been bothering him his whole life. And we believe it's either, uh, you know, the wisdom teeth need to be taken out. And we're not receiving it. But there's a, a brain tumor thing that's coming in his family. Some type of a brain cancer or what, like that. But we don't want to receive that. So we just need God to heal him. But pray for them. Pray for Adam. Pray that he'll get some courage up to ask that young lady to be his wife, and he's going to do it. Amen. Praying for courage. And just continue to lift up this wonderful couple, the Goiveas. Everything in our church runs through them for counseling. Everything in our church. See, everybody's like, I want to talk to the pastor. No, talk to Pastor Berto and Griselda for two reasons. Number one, it will go better for you. Okay, because my counseling is like the Bible, boom, do it. They're so much kinder and loving. They're, they're like gifted in that way. And then it goes better for me because then when I see you, I don't know all your business and I get to preach and just have my hands clean. Amen. Because I used to have people do counseling and I would do the preaching and I cannot tell you how many times people would say, oh, you're talking about me now. And I'm just like, no. I talk about adultery every week. I'm sorry if you confessed it to me last week. I'm just talking about it this week, okay? So my hands are clean as your pastor, amen? Oh, praise God. Pastor Ron, Pastor Carolyn, will we give it up as they come this morning? <laughs> what do you want us to, you want to stand? Let's stand like this and face her and she'll stand in front of us. Everybody can't do this, but uh, some of you come stand behind these people. You see, there wouldn't be a church just with elders. There's a church of the body. So our prayers not only bless the elders, but to bless the body. Amen. Anybody else want to come? Just step up a little.
causes us to rehearse again and again as we have this morning, not only our praises, but our worship of Him. The Lord invites us closer, invites us on. Lord, just to encourage us and take the next step and the next step and the next step. continue praying those who are up here the rest of you in your seats i just want you to see this how do you pray for them here's a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be that elder that overseer desires a noble task now the overseer must be above reproach so you need to pray that the leaders here we don't steal we don't lie we don't cheat must be faithful to their wife how many how many want to see pastors and leaders be faithful to their wives amen pray for our families temperate self-controlled pray that we can temper our desires that we won't want to be rich and we won't want to be poor we'll just want what God has for us we won't be angry all the time and we won't be happy all the time we'll just be who God called us to be even-keeled emotions respectable that we'll have respect in the community hospitable that we'll welcome people into our homes able to teach that God will give us the words to teach the people not given to drunkenness pray that we won't abuse alcohol not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, that money won't have any part of our heart and that we won't strive and fight with people, but we'll teach them gently. 
Pray for our family because if our children don't obey us in a manner that's worthy of respect, how can we manage the family of God? So pray for our families. Pray for our children. Pray that we'll be good leaders at home. That our, our kids won't say, I don't like Pastor Dad. Pastor Dad's not my friend. He's not a good dad. But say they love Dad. Love Mom. Pray that we won't be recent converts. Well, pray that we don't backslide. Pray that we don't become conceited. That we ever think we're better than you just because we have a different position than you. So that we don't fall under the same judgment of the devil. You know the devil was conceited and he fell. That's what you got to pray. Pray that we stay humble. And we have to have a good reputation with outsiders. So we won't fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Pray for us that we won't embarrass you. That you won't hear about us on the 6 o'clock news or hear something from my neighbor or their neighbor that says, Oh, you don't really know that, Pastor. You should hear them argue through the walls. You should hear the way they uh, see the way they leave garbage out. Let us pray for us that we have a good reputation. That like my neighbor who texted me last night around 8 o'clock said, Joe, you got any Coke and Diet Coke? I have friends coming over. See, I want that reputation with my neighbors. Hey, he's a good man. Pastor's a good man. He's my friend. If I need something, I can call him up. Amen. Praise God. And my dad is here, and I'm just going to ask him to come because he was here from day one eight years ago when we started this church and relaunched it here in this location a year ago. And dads, you've watched most of these young people get saved. Now they're pastors. And sometimes you look at these young people and they're like, oh, I don't know if they're a pastor. Well, let me tell you something. When you graduate from the police academy at 22, 23, they're a police officer whether you think they're old enough or not. And if you show up in Baghdad right now, there's a guy carrying a weapon about in his 20s that will tell you to stop whether you like his age or not. These men and women are all Bible college graduate, all did a year of internship and have earned it by this standard. Amen, Papa. You've seen them go through it, haven't you? You've seen this young man go from the youth group to being the youth pastor. Isn't that awesome? Wow.
who are going to be healed because of their faithfulness, who are going to be delivered because of their faithfulness, who are going to be set free because of their faithfulness. This is your church, God. This belongs to you. It was started with you, and it's going to reach the city with you. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Well, I'll tell you what. How about we all stand up? Let's do our confessional creed. We're going to stand up right now and confess the creed of our church, what we believe. And then we'll fellowship a little bit. And maybe you can find a pastor and hug him and tell him you love him. Amen. Say this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Can you say amen? God bless you today. Greet somebody. Greet a pastor. Tell them you love them. Come on, tell somebody. Greet each other.
Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. If you could please find your way back to your seat. We are so happy that you joined us here at Metro Praise International for service. Look to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you this morning. Look to your other neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came. Our service is here our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and every Friday at 7 p.m. Elevate! It's a service for our teenagers, 11 to 18, and we're just excited about what God is doing, and we're thankful that you are a part of it. And if this is your first time, please fill out the brochure that you received at the, at the front door. If you didn't receive it, you could raise your hand. We'll give you one. Just fill out the information and put it in the drop box. We'd love to connect with you throughout the week. We have some special announcements. Uh, we have Pastor Ron and Carolyn, as you know, visiting with us this morning. Let's give them a hand clap. All the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana. They were Joe's childhood pastors, and they serve with us as our pastoral, our apostolic elders over MPI. We're just so thankful for you being here and blessing us this weekend. And we have an announcement to make about our baptisms. Who's excited about baptisms? Come on. It is in the calendar, November 24th. The baptismal tank has been ordered. It was, it came on Tuesday, so we are ready to go. So we just got to preach the gospel, win the lost, get them here. Those who are saved already have not been baptized. That is the day to do it. So mark it in your calendar. Sunday, 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning service, November 24th. We will be doing a baptismal service right here in the front. It's going to be powerful. We're so excited. So we just want you to be excited and spread the word. Amen. Praise God. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. The two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And we want to do that with all of our heart. And our discipleship strategy here is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. Connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And the way that we do that here strategically is we connect you to life groups. Somebody say life groups. And on your handouts, there is a schedule of all the life groups that happen on a quarterly basis. So every three months, we have new life groups that come out. So right now, we are in September, October, and November, or August, September, and October. And so we just want you to just find a place to belong and just specifically just a snapshot of what's happening just this week that we want you to participate in. We have Sunday Encounter Night every night here at the church. It's a life group at 5 p.m., Come, soak in the word of God. They're worshiping. They're seeking hard after the Lord. And then tonight as well, it's the marriage life group. Married folk, make some noise. They're meeting today at Ricky and Rachel's house at 5 p.m. And then every Wednesday, we have our King's Kids life group, infant to 11 years old. Drop them off at 6.30. You could have a date night, an extra night to do some errands, or you can stay here with your children. But we love to disciple our children. Uh, every Friday is our adult life group at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house at 7 p.m. And this Saturday coming up, we have two events. We have Saturday, our sidewalk counseling at an abortion clinic. Meet here at 9 o'clock. And then every Saturday, we have, we have our evangelism life group at, at 6 p.m. And they go out, preach the gospel, street witness, and do all that good stuff. So how many of you guys are going to find something to do this week? Say amen. Come on. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. If you're new here, we have elders and deacons ready to disciple you and take you through this. And once you graduate that phase, 
we take you to our 201, which is our leadership training class, where we train you to be disciples that make other disciples, and then ordain you to be a deacon and an elder, which we will be actually having our ordination service next month for that. So we're just excited about what God is doing, and we are here to get into your life, and we want to send you out to evangelize, tell other people about Jesus, and then our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world, and if you believe we can do that, say amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Somebody say, God is good. Look to your other neighbor, say all the time. Amen. We're going to prepare to uh, give our tithes and offerings at this time. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Here at Metro Praise, we believe that the scriptures teach that a tithe is the 10% of your total income. So all of the, the income that you receive, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, a 10% of that belongs to the Lord. And so I always use, like to use an example. So if you have $600, what is a tithe off of $600? $60. And young people, if your parents give you an allowance of 10 bucks for the week, what belongs to the Lord as your tithe? $1. So it doesn't matter. The Lord wants your tithe. Amen? And then an offering, we believe, is anything above the tithe that is an amount between you and the Lord that we designate towards building fund and our missions because we strongly believe in missions here. Amen? If you're at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, say amen. A lot of amens this morning. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So God wants the first fruits of all of our crops. The, we honor the Lord when we give him our wealth. And when we show him, when we give back to him out of what he's given to us, as that sacrifice, we are recognizing that all of it has come from him to begin with. When we hold back the tithe, the Bible teaches that we rob God. And how many, I know there's probably many of you here that do not want to be considered as robbers of God. And so in order to not be considered that by God himself, we have to be faithful to give the tithe. And that's when the promise of blessings flow in our life. When we're faithful in our finances, we will be found to be faithful with many other areas in our life. When we're struggling with being faithful with money, there's a lot of roots in our life that, are, that God will expose because we're not trusting him completely. And when we tithe and we trust God with our money, we're trusting him completely to know that he will provide and take care of us. Amen? Please stand up to your feet with me this morning. God is good. He's a faithful God. He takes care of his children. And uh, we say it every week. We don't give just to get but when we give and put God first, he blesses us. He takes care of us. And let's recite this passage of scripture together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and your provision in our lives. We thank you for employment, God, and and uh, promotions. And I pray for those that are still looking, that you would open doors that need to be opened and shut doors that need to be shut. And I just pray, Lord God, that this uh, giving of tithes and offerings would be a sweet aroma, God, up to you. We honor you, God, with our wealth. We honor you with uh, the crops of what you've given to us materially. And I just pray that you would meet our budget here at MPI above and beyond what we could ask or imagine so that we could see your kingdom come to this earth so that Chicago can be one for you and the nations will know about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
Amen. How many love Jesus? Can I get a woo? Woo! Amen. Welcome to a church that's excited. Are you guys excited? Amen. God is moving here in so many wonderful ways. Just a quick little uh, adjustment. The Marriage Life Group is meeting at 315 because our leader forgot to tell us that he was in, uh, they was going to change the time from 5 to 315. Ricky Rivera was in Honolulu, uh, Hawaii, serving the Lord, you know, just missionary on the beach. But uh, he forgot to send in the time change. So if you guys want to do married, fun stuff, they're going to Stades Farm, which is right by Volo, Illinois. Married couples, please go out and do that. Pumpkin patches, all that good stuff. If you need to drop off your kids for babysitting, talk to uh, Pastor Vanessa with Encounter Night because there's a meeting that happens here tonight too. And then you want to drop off the kids, they're going to hook you up. Let's give it up for Ricky Rivera looking good as always. Come on. Amen. Good guy. Love him. Oh, man, this is so awesome for me. We barely um, just, I don't even have enough time to describe my love to them. So I just, I, I want to do this in such a way because I just, I don't have enough time. But Pastor Ron and Pastor Carolyn mean so much to me, so much to Nancy and I, our, our family. Nancy and I grew up, uh, well, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana with my parents. And when my parents uh, wanted to find a good church, they started one with this couple right here. So they were a part of a church plant. And Pastor Ron and Pastor Carolyn were the pastors they brought down. And I remember that in our living room, these pastors were there and some leaders and elders talking about how to change the world. And Pastor, I can say now, uh, you know, 20 plus years, I don't know how, how old is, is the church, 28 years later, bravo. Bravo. I look back on Fort Wayne and what God, come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. If I was to think of a place in my hometown and I was going to say, go to that church. They love God. They're going to train you. They're going to send you out. They're going to help you get on the mission field. When I was visiting there, a young man was coming from the mission field and other ones were going to the mission field. And there's people going to Turkey there and Africa. I mean, it is amazing what God is doing in Heartland Church. So look it up online, Heartland Church, and find them as Facebook friends. But, um, when I look at that 20 years from that house meeting to today, it inspires me so much. I want to thank you for that and just say thank you for being godly. In a, in a time when it's hard to find men and women who have lived it out in integrity, it just means so much to me. And then the wisdom. I mean, you could just have stuck through ministry but be grumpy and not have fruit anymore. <laughs> you know, but, man, they are so full of joy. We were out with them last night. And when he comes to preach, he's like, what should I talk about? And I was like, you know, we're in this encounter series. Pastor Ron, Pastor Carol, just bring us something that helps us understand how do you serve the Lord for 60 years and collectively be in ministry over 100 years? How many just want to learn to do that? today. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet, Metro Praise, and welcome them, Pastor Caroline and Ron Allen. Hey. Uh, this morning, I have uh, been really impressed with the theme that, that um, you're talking about a lot. Everybody's destiny, personal destiny, the destiny of this fellowship, where are you headed? And we all just have this sense that it's something great. You believe that? You're made for something really, really, really great, and you're going to be able to do it together. Thinking back over the years, I think I could say to you that one of the biggest hindrances for stepping into your destiny 
is a little four-letter word called fear. Fear plays a big part in holding each one of us from stepping into the place that God has anointed and appointed us for. It could be all kinds of fears. I remember in high school sitting in front of the, in a government class, and my uh, teacher was saying, within so many years from graduating from the high school, somebody here is going to be in Africa serving the Lord. And I was like, my heart starts going, not me. I mean, at that time, you know, like 50 years ago, what it was like to think about going to Africa. It, it was a scary thing. Fear, fear. And I had to come to the place where I'd say, Lord, whatever you want for me, here I am. I find myself all these years later, new season of our lives. What's God doing? What's he going to call us to next? What particular part of the body? What particular gifts and anointings are you going to use us in? And I find myself going, here I am. But I'll have to tell you that I still have to learn to face the fears. So what's your biggest fear today? What keeps you from saying a wholehearted yes? Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of disappointment, fear of trusting a God that we aren't really quite sure he's 100% for us. He might be a little bit mean. He might be unjust. I don't know what view you have of God. We all have to work through that. What's your biggest fear? How do you step into it and say yes? Let's look at 1 John chapter 5 real quickly. Or 4, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 4. Whoever, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, who's that in this room? Come on, all right. In you, if God abides in you, you're in God. So we have come to know and believe. Remember we talked a little bit yesterday, those of you who are here, in, in um, knowing and believing the love that God has for us. God is what? love it doesn't say god is mean god is unjust god will not take care of you god will not be it says god is love whoever abides dwells lingers in love lingers in god lives stays there and god abides in him by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because, now listen to this, as he is, so also are we in the world. <laughs> now, don't be bashful. Don't hold back. As he is, so we are. How do you look at yourself? You look like the Father. The way you look at yourself is the way other people are going to look at you. Hold your head up high. Say, I'm becoming more like God every day. Say that with me. I'm becoming more like God every day. As he is, so am I. Amen. Now, look at this. 
there is no fear in love. You want to accomplish what God has put in your heart, who he's made you to be, what he's made you to do? Perfect love. Who is perfect love? God. Casts out all fear. Face it. Give it to God. Admit, God, this is what I'm afraid of, but I'm believing in your presence and your power in me to work through me for the sake of the kingdom because as you are, so am I. Okay. Bless you with that. Wow, she never preaches that short at home. <laughs> what a joy. I love this church. Can I join your church? <laughs> you're not where you're going to be. You're not where you used to be. But where you is is good, and God's going to move you on. Amen. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Obedience is spelled C-H-A-N-G-E. most important revelation we're ever going to have as believers is our revelation of who God is. For good or ill, the way we live in our Christian life is totally dependent upon a biblical view of God. If, if you're not in the word gaining insight biblically into who God is, you're going to fall short as a Christian. You're going to come up with some kind of caricature that's produced by some religious, politically correct thing. And you're not going to have an understanding that when we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. I say this with me, in me, through me, as it is in heaven. It begins with our Father. It's not my Father, it's our Father. And God is who he says he is. And like Sherilyn said, we are who God says we are. And the enemy of our soul comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have and have it muy mas more grande. However, that's all the Spanish I know. No, a little bit, poquito, a little bit more. So I want us to think a little bit about God. God is able. What is God able to do? Be careful, this is a trick question. Because what you believe in your heart, it comes out with your mouth, is the reality you live in. It has the power of life and death. So 
believe in your heart, say with your mouth. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Ephesians 3.20, who knows it? Who has it memorized? Anybody? 20 bucks if you got it memorized and you say it. You think I'm teasing. Guys, if you don't get the word into you, you have no equipment not only to be an overcomer in spiritual warfare, but to be more than a conqueror in living out the Christian life. If you really believe that every place you put your foot, that by the kingdom of God and the authority of God belongs to God because I step on it and I claim it. Ephesians 3.20. And God is able to do exceedingly, say exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or think. I can think of a lot of stuff. What can God not do? Pastor always knows the answer, you know. God cannot lie. Isaiah 55, God says, My word is always successful in the matter for which I send it out. It will not return to me void or empty or fruitless. So how do we know and declare and act upon the ability of God? Faith. But faith is taking hold of the word of God as being unquestionably, irrevocably, always and eternally true. I mean, two things leave planet Earth, God's word and God's people. His word is eternal. It's established. He honors his word above his name. And God is able. Now look at, uh, you got your Bible there? Or your smartphone? Or your dumb phone? Or whatever phone? My phone's dumb, not because it's dumb, because we won't go into that. I let my little grandkids program my VCR. I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> TiVo, forget it. All right. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Somebody stand and read it loud. Isn't this church? Don't we talk in church? Don't we have a dialogue going on? I see you guys, your wheels are turning when Pastor Joe's talking. You're talking back to him all the time. I know you are in your mind. Got it, sir. Go. Wait, you got, slow it down. God is able... How much grace? Grace. Now, what is grace? Don't sit down yet. What is Grace is not a blue-eyed blonde. Okay, get that out of your head. All right, what is grace? Well, let me ask you this. What is justice? Getting what I deserve. What is mercy? Not getting as much as I deserve. God pulling his punches. What is grace? God giving me not what I deserve, but what I need. All grace comes from where? And God is able. Go ahead, sir. 
Abound to who? What's abound me? Muy mas more grande. I know, okay. Keep going. I, you guys are so nice to me. I'll take you home. <laughs> so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in. Okay, is that in the book? Is that book true? Is that statement true? Is it true for Joe? What's your name? Tina. Is it true for Tina? Is it true for you? Okay. We're going somewhere. You're going to be totally messed up by me leaving this place. When we give our tithes and offerings, we're not paying dues. We're making an investment. I grew up on a farm. And I remember in amazement how my dad and uncles would put hundreds and hundreds of bushels of wheat into a, a planter and stick it in the ground. Perfectly good wheat. It could be made into flour and made into bread. But they put it in the dirt. Why? What does planting something do? It puts it in a position to grow and multiply. Seed time and harvest is eternally established. And in fact, even pagans and the world economy operates on biblical truth about sowing and reaping. Here's the rules. We reap what we sow. I don't plant carrots and get tomatoes. Now, that one little wheat berry that we would put in the ground when I was a kid to raise wheat in western Kansas would turn into a head of wheat that had 60 to 80 seeds in it. What's that called? Multiplication. But a corn of wheat had to go into the ground and die or it abides alone. Sowing and reaping works economically. And it works ministerially, it works affectionately, it works in every arena of life. Let me give you a testimony. In all the years that we've been married, now we're 15, right? Going on 120. How many years have we been married? 46. It just seems like yesterday, but I'm not sorry. For me. Um, <laughs> have we ever hoarded our way out of a financial jam? How have we gotten out of the jam? We've given, we've invested out of the jam. Now, I'm not saying be stupid and throw your brains on the floor. But wherever you have lack and have need, you sow in that regard for a return that gets multiplied for provision. God has laws of provision. Thumb your nose at it if you won't. I like what I got by tithing better than what you don't have. A person with an experience is not at the mercy of somebody with an argument. Write that one down. Now, 
we reap more than what we sow. Rule for lot two. Law three is we reap in a different season than when we sow. Now, my dad, I loved carrots when I was a kid. My dad gave me a whole row in our big garden. It was a two-acre garden for veggies. And he gave me a whole row of carrots. Anybody ever grow carrots? Little tiny seeds. And they come up, and they're little green sprinkly things there. And then pretty soon they get pretty big and bushy. And I think, I've got carrots. I'd go out and pull up the bushy thing. And there was a little teeny half-inch long baby carrot there. No carrot. So my dad would say, don't pull them up. Wait. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's a hidden time for the carrot. So I'd wait about a day, and I'd go pull another one up. <laughs> Many days pass. My carrot row gets shorter and shorter. One day I go out there, and I can see the top of the carrot poking through the growth. And when I pulled it up, it was the most beautiful, perfectly formed carrot. But it took much longer than I anticipated. And I had a smaller harvest because I kept messing with it. Will that preach? All right. I'm telling you the truth. If you take hold of this, it will change your life. Now, if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So I watched my dad and uncle calculate how many pounds of seed they would put on an acre of western Kansas dirt. And I still remember in amazement how these guys could figure out what they had to do to account for germination rates and some of the seed would rot and some of it wouldn't germinate and all that. And then I love riding around those fields in harvest time up at the bend with the grain pouring in on me as a little kid, burying myself in it. Anybody ever have that experience? Can you imagine it with me? Because, you know, if you take a handful of wheat and you chew it, and you don't swallow it and you just keep chewing it, the gluten will form a gum, like chewing gum. But you've got to eat about four handfuls of wheat and chew it down to get a nice piece of chewing gum. Now, you take that home. Now you know something that you won't run on. <laughs> Create TV doesn't have that on there. All right. Have you noticed this? The good only comes to harvest with cultivation. Weeds come on their own without any help. What does a good gardener do? He leaves the wheat alone and he pulls the weeds. Have you ever seen God with a garden by himself? It's a mess. See, the part of God's economy is he's put us as gardeners into life to tend the planting of the Lord. That's called stewardship. Starts right in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. That word dominion should be translated steward. But then again, I'm you won't get any translations or anything. Knowing a little Greek and Hebrew will mess you up. It really will. <laughs> okay? Now, what am I saying? When we come and we give on biblical terms, with a, and there is an attitudinal qualification. God blesses those who give with cheerful hearts. 
because we're expressing a confidence in God. We're not trying to earn brownie points or favor or get rich quick. It's not a TV show. By the way, those guys on TV, if it worked that way, they'd be sending me money. Why don't you sew $1,000 into me, sir? <laughs> That'll be just an idea. I'm not talking about rubbing the Bible and getting your magic wish. I'm talking about living life on God's terms by God's laws. Okay? I believe that if we gave biblically long enough with joy and patience, then we would have the resource... Listen, if you don't agree with me, you say that's not right. It's okay, you won't hurt my feelings because I know I'm right. We could have the ability as a church to say yes to every opportunity to do good in God's name. Now in Acts 2, one of the signs of Pentecost was people sold everything they had and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Maybe we should go for that one today. I'm teasing you. I don't want to, my job isn't to abuse you, it's to provoke you. All right. Your personal lack is directly related to your corporate generosity. I insist in our church that we tithe everything outside of ourselves. I can't expect people to do what I'm not willing to do. I have to be a practitioner. This year, Caroline's goal is to give, we'll be giving 20% away. Now, I'm not saying that's a standard you ought to follow. That's personal and descriptive. What is normative and prescriptive is you start with 10%. And if you can't start there, you start with 1%. Start, and as God has proved himself faithful, take another step and another step. Because why? You can't outgive God. And people look at us and they think, well, you must be fleecing the sheep. We live in a nice house. We have nice cars. All our bills are paid. What do you hear me say? And I don't lift an offering like some of my friends do. But I do expect people to live biblically if they're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I will not put anybody on the platform at Heartland who doesn't tithe. I will not put anybody in leadership who doesn't tithe. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And people who don't tithe are more prone to make a demand than to make an appeal. You know the difference between bureaucrats and fathers? Fathers give, bureaucrats take. Who do you want running your church, a bureaucrat or a father? Come on, talk to me. Father. All right. But to call that forth in your elders, you have to be willing to step up alongside and enter into that same covenant. Now, I don't know how to make this any clearer. No bondo, no condo. I learned that from you. No, whatever it is. I, I think it's good. <laughs> it always makes me think I'm repairing my car. I don't know why. Whatever. The point, I'm not here to try to put anybody, I'm trying to open a door of opportunity for you to step into something where you begin to catch the ability of God to do exceedingly abundantly. You put a little seed into the ground 
and you come back in a few months, and there's 80 to 100 seeds. Isn't that wonderful? It's almost miraculous. You would have think God had invented this system. <laughs> what does God do where he's not generous? And because of your generosity in love, because of your generosity in service, because of your generosity in helping one another engage in kingdom life and work, be prepared for increase. Good news. That's that word that came through you, my brother. He's going to stretch it. He's going to enlarge it. He's going to increase it. Are you bored? Can I say one more thing? This really isn't my sermon. but uh, Anybody ever hear of a guy named Graham Cook? Kind of a prophetic guy. Mostly okay. I think he uses the NIV, though. I'm not sure. <laughs> you guys know I'm playing with you, right? Okay. So uh, his son Seth's birthday was coming up. And he said, son, Seth was probably what at the time? Probably a fourth grader, fifth grader maybe? Something like that. And he says, Seth, what do you want? He said, well, Daddy, I need some new toys. And so he said, well, let me go see what's in your room. So we go in there, and he has this cupboard just jam-packed full of toys. And, and Graham says to Seth, he says, I can't get you any more toys. You don't have room for any toys. What do you mean, Daddy? He says, well, if you make room for some new toys, I'll get you some new toys. What do you need, Daddy? Give some of those away. But, Daddy, I like them all. And I want more. If you want more, you've got to make room for more. Okay? Seth didn't like that. But a few days later, Graham says he heard this clunk, clunk, clunk. Seth coming down the stairs dragging this box full of toys. And says, Daddy, I think there's some boys that would really like my toys. And I made a lot of room in my cupboard. How much room is there in your cupboard? There is a principle. You always give away your best first. I hate it when I lay hands on people I love, and they're just getting useful to me, and then we send them out somewhere. And I think, God, why did I raise them up? They were for me. And the Lord says, I thought they were for me. Lose my heart. You know, any of us that have ever gone away from a college or a university or sending our kids to the armed services and we're thinking, oh my God, I hate this. We left my daughter down at IU and I cried all the way home and Carolyn was singing praise songs. <laughs> I, God is able, say it with me, God is able to do exceeding. Abundantly, above, all that it could ask or think according to his resurrection power at work in me. What's more powerful than resurrection? 
Can the dead live? Oh, come on. Have you ever seen a dead person resuscitated? Would you like to? I need a volunteer. <laughs> Berto's going to kill you, and then we're... When we were planting that church with these guys and some other couples, we had a Wednesday night teaching service. So my daughter and my son get in our little Mazda station wagons 100 years ago, just one step above a horse and buggy, I think. And they head off to get some ice cream, and we head back to our apartment. I look in the rearview mirror as a car blasts through the intersection very, very fast, hits my daughter's car, and it just explodes like in a movie. I did this Huey in the middle, went across the Esplanade and back, you know, across the street, right there on North Anthony in front of Concordia High School. And uh, I get there, and uh, I don't see either one of them, and I hear my son, he's mashed all down into this wreck and he says daddy she's dead and my daughter who had been driving is hanging out the passenger side um, backwards so I, I didn't want to hardly touch or hurt but I, I needed to know so I, I went up and I felt for a pulse and I couldn't find a pulse and I opened her eye and her pupil was fixed she wasn't breathing now, was she really dead? I don't know, but she looked dead to me. Apostolic anointing and fruitfulness, be prepared for apostolic warfare. That's why we do our homework. We're overcomers in this life. I'm more than a conqueror. Jesus always leads me in triumph. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I mean, let's go through our, our rehearsal of our other creeds, the scriptures we take hold as being truthful, our foundation of our life. And something by the Holy Spirit rose on my, I, I can still feel it, comes right up here, and I said, Laura, live. He goes, uh. That, was a, that moan was the sweetest sound I've heard forever. It took about a year to recover. Her skull was fractured in several places. Um bad deal, but she's alive. Now, did God do that? And it was the profound prayer that I had crafted over months that was the reason it happened, right? If you're not cultivating intimacy in the ordinary times, you will not have confidence in the extraordinary times to stand on the Word of God and declare the truth of God over the evil one. So, you know, Nancy's just trying to pay the bills. No, she's not. She's inviting you into a kingdom economy called multiplication where you have the grace one day if you're faithful in little, God will make you faithful in much. If you're faithful in others, God will promote you and he'll give you something of your own to have. But there's a process here at work. 
this church has not only confidence in, in, in that kind of a raw faith, but they have confidence born of experience of God's faithfulness. You can face every situation you face and know that God is able. Let's, let's be a church like that. Say to the dead, live! I got some other of those stories, but if you buy me lunch, I'll tell you some more. Let me just flash ahead to one other passage. It's connected, but it may not really be apparent. Isaiah 40. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but compared to the countries around Israel, even in the old days, they were a midget, and the other countries were giants. You might say Israel had a perennial inferiority complex. You ever feel small? You ever feel bypassed? You know God will do stuff. He'll do it for other people. Probably he'll do it for Ron. He won't do it for me. That's a lie. Same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. What he did back then, he'll do right here. Do you remember the wedding at Cana? That controversial liquid that Jesus made? I don't think it was Walter's grape juice, but if you do, it's okay with me. Somehow they said you've saved the best till next. Say the best to next. The best comes next. What comes next is the best. Are you listening to me? God never does less. He always does more. Are you guys feeling that or is it just me? My heart is warm. I mean, I need to preach this to myself today. Amen. So in Isaiah 40, the prophet is, is reminding Israel, as small as you think you are, the, the victory belongs. Doesn't the battle always belong to the Lord? But if you want to fight it, he'll let you. It's like, if you ever see a dog chasing a car and catch it, No teeth, kind of has twitches and things. Oh, God's wonderful. Just let me have it, though. And if I get an emergency, God, I'll call out for you and have you help me. That's not how it works. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign. See, when he's king, he rules. If somebody else is ruling, he's not king. All things say necessary will be added unto you. But seek ye first his rule. I mean, if God tells you to wear white socks, will you wear white socks? You want to make sure it's God, though, right? So if God told you to do that, would you make sure I wore white socks, too? It's a trick question. That's personal and descriptive. What is normative and prescriptive is for me to live in humility and obedience. That's apostolic doctrine. He could care less what color my socks are. But if he tells you to wear white socks, 
then you better just make sure you got a drawer full of white socks. <laughs> Are you following what I'm going somewhere? So never apologize for that which is personal and descriptive because it will never run counter to that which is normative and prescriptive. Are you following me? Apostolic doctrine is for everyone all the time. Personal descriptive can be issues of conviction or preference that God knows. Like, if God told me to come to Chicago next week and hire a helicopter and get up there and intercede for three hours over Chicago in a helicopter, and I believe God told me I should probably mortgage my house and borrow the money, whatever, because that's going to be two or $3,000 an hour. But if I believe God told me to do that, I should... See, if you have a conversation with me and you say, God told me, conversation's over. I will never argue with somebody once they once you lay that down, that's it. But I will hold you to die for that because I'm your pastor. Now, if I go and say, Pastor Joe, you've got to rent another helicopter, get up over... You know, go out over Wheaton somewhere, and, and you intercede there, and we'll get another guy in a helicopter. And Griffin will say, where'd you get up with that idea? I don't want to spend the money on that. But God told me, Joe. But God didn't tell you. So what do we do? We give liberty of conscience to one another on things that are not essential. Be careful. What's not essential is a bigger piece than you think it is, because religion makes you think non-essentials are essential. Let's look past that. Are you with me? Now, Isaiah 54, verse 31. Somebody stand and read it, please. We've got brethren and sistren in here. How about one of the sisters read it? Oh, it's up, oh, it's up there. <laughs> I need to take you to Fort Wayne. Uh, 31. Isaiah 40, 31. What did I say, 55? Oh, God, help the Lay hands on yourself. Lord, just help the man. He's old. He doesn't have his hearing aid in. Hallelujah. Go back to verse 30. Read it out loud with me. Well, go back to verse 29. All right. Read it out loud with me. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Is that true? It's true. I like it when I'm weak, he's strong. All right, we got that. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Let me talk about biblical hope. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is confident activity based on the trustworthy of God, not only in Scripture, but in my experience. Hope. Hope does not disappoint. Because we have a history. We know whom we have believed. Amen. All right. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Next verse. Just want to make sure it wasn't anything else written. <laughs> What's the interpretive key for verse 31? What's the key word there? 
in some translations, like my real Bible, it says, those who wait upon the Lord. Anybody have that in your translation? Oh, God bless you, dear Christian. Okay. Now, if you take that word hope beyond what I said, confidence born of experience, that leads me to act upon what I know to be true. Let me talk about wait from a little different standpoint, the reason why they translate that word sometimes, wait. How many of you have gone to a fancy restaurant that has like cloth tablecloths? No paper plates, like real china stuff? Uh, I've never done it, but we've had people take us to nice places. I just And you know, you go to these restaurants, you just got to get mink rash walking in the door, right? Five people greet you, five people seat you, and five people wait on you. And they just keep pouring your water glass full. And I think, golly, I'm going to wet the bed tonight. When I <laughs> and so there is a waiter there with a towel across his arm waiting on me as his customer. He's waiting on me to serve me. He has a towel on his arm. He's re ready to meet my every need because he's waiting on me. Those who wait on the Lord, let me say it another way. The rest is in the labor. Take that both ways. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is my yoke fits. It's not Saul's armor. It's what I've designed for you. For my yoke fits well, is easy, and my burden is light. Why is it light? Because he's partnered with me. Now in the church, it's interesting, we're told to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In that same text, it says, carry your own load. Well, that's a contradiction. No, it's not. Take responsibility for what is yours, and if it gets to be too much, ask for help. That's all that's saying. And if you see a brother struggling, and he's trying to be difficult, or a sister, you come alongside and say, can I help you? And sometimes we give those Pentecostal handshakes. You know, and there's a 20 in there. I have a church that does that. I had a guy the other day leave $100 in an envelope in a lady's mailbox. Totally changed her life. A grandma raising grandkids by herself. Wait. the Lord and he'll always give back more. Press down, shaken together, running over. Malachi 3. God's promised that if we tithe, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that cannot be contained. And the only place in the Bible where it says this is, test me in this. Now the issue isn't whether or not you think God gives you, you just haven't tried it. People who argue with me about that have never done it. All right, I'm done. 12.04.
I'm not, but I am. I'm getting the vibe. Say this again with me. And God is able. And God is able. The things that are impossible men are Mary with the angel. Mary, you found favor with God. You're going to have his baby. That was a death sentence. How's a 14-year-old girl going to go home, Jewish girl, and tell her daddy she's pregnant without a husband? It's a death sentence. You say yes to God. You may, from a human standpoint, start counting a cost that is not necessarily true from God's viewpoint. Okay. And so she says, how? How can I have a baby? I've never been intimate with a man. And the angel says what? The Holy Spirit will. Okay. So it's not to know how, it's to know who. All the stuff I've been talking about this morning, going back to Carolyn's earlier remark, is knowing God so well that you know you can trust him. Knowing God so well that you fill your heart and mind with not only memories of God's faithfulness to you, but occasionally you just got to call up a brother or sister and say, Jim, tell me again, was God faithful? Tell me when God was last faithful to you. What, what's that? It's called edifying. That's called encouraging. That's called strengthening one another in the Lord. It's called church. It's exhorting each other to live life let me pray for you. Lord, I, I just feel the weight of this message in my own heart today. And I thank you, Lord, that I can bear testimony to your faithfulness without any hesitation, without the shadow of a doubt. I know that you're able. You can make a way where there is no way. Whether it's Israel facing the Red Sea, Whatever it is, Lord, I know you're able. Whether it's uh, 20-some thousand people and just a little sack lunch, you're able. Lord, would you grant a grace of revelation to my brothers and sisters in Metro Praise in Atlanta to know that the life they live in humility and obedience will be supplied with you so that in every opportunity to do good in your name, they can say yes. Now, art there yet? Listen, just don't go on there. But we can move there, and we can eventually live there. We can visit there. Let's move there and live there. Amen? Anybody want to do that besides me? Tell Pastor Joe. He's been giving you good stuff. Amen. Uh, Adam, could you come forward on the guitar, please, and... Uh, Josh, would you move this over there for me, please, as well? Before we go, I want to do some special prayer time, and uh, we'll do a soft dismissal, which just means when we stand to pray in just a moment, whoever has to go can go. No condo, bondo, be free, enjoy your day. But those who want to stay for the after party, we've got them until Jesus comes back or he needs a cane or falls down, goes boom. <laughs> so we're going to have them lay hands on as many folk as we can. But I do want to pray a very specific prayer. Uh, that as he was saying, I know that's got to be difficult. Well, maybe not at his stage, but to talk about finances. It was a, a part of his message. Yeah, it, it's still hard. And exactly. 
But I know his heart, and here's the good thing. I've already had many of you come to me and say, Pastor, uh, you know, I want to do this for the church, or I want to do this as a ministry. I want to go out and help the people. I, you know, because we go to the west side, and you guys see the van we're picking up, and people have it in their heart. Pastor, can we get a bus? You know, people have already said that to me. Pastor, let's get a bigger vehicle. Let's, let's pick up more people. Why just go to the west side? You know, can we go there every Wednesday, pick up the kids. Let's go to the west side and the south side. Let's go here, here, you know, not just Ohio Park, but Humble Park and this park, you know. Uh, and there's others of you that have come to me and said, uh, Pastor, you know, something's coming into my life, and I'm believing God for this extra financial blessing. And the first thing I want to do is I want to give something great to the church, okay? So I just want to put up this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 8. And I just want to pray and dismiss, but I want to ask for those, and we're not going to embarrass you or anything, but uh, the 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Because Pastor Ron didn't get to read this last part here. I just wanted to read it. See, all grace is uh, abounding to us. We're going to be a cheerful giver. But look at what it says in verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so here's where it is, saints. If you want to do good for God and you want your family to be blessed and all that, we have to get into God's way of doing it, right? And so I look at my dad. My dad always put God's work first, always gave to the church. My mom went and picked the weeds when they were renting, what, an old monastery in Fort Wayne. The weeds were as high as the cornfields, man. They were so high. And my wife said, I'm going to go tithe my time so that they don't have to go pay for a gardener. You, you, get, you get my point here. I want to ask Pastor Ron to pray as we, can we all stand up, please? Uh, I want to ask Pastor Ron to pray. Thank you for coming today and your patience. But for those specifically who have this in their heart, this, this couple right here, matter of fact, I'm about ready to cry with you guys. Would you both come forward for K and M? It's just opened a new shipping business. K, would you guys come forward, M? Can we bless the Lord for some entrepreneurs in here? Amen. Entrepreneur, all that. But I want to start just with them and come on, just stand up here. When they, let me just say this, they started a business to do shipping to the Philippines, right? You know what he did in the warehouse? The brother dishonored me. You, you know what? You never asked me if I'd done it before, and I'm glad you did it because I never have, so I kind of winged it. But he said, Will you come and bless my business? I'd never done that before. It was an honor. He brought in his employees, he had food for everybody, he brought his family in. And he said, I just want to bless and give this business to God. You know, shipping business. You know, working with crates and bringing them back and forth across the country. I mean, across to the Philippines. And so you've already come to me and you said, Pastor, what God does here, I want him to use so we could do world missions, help in the Philippines, because we're going to take a mission trip there in 2015, and I want to help here. See, God wants to bless him. Brother Eddie, would you come, please? Brother Eddie, uh, just come on up. We want to pray for you. Brother Eddie's gone through a lawsuit with the city of Chicago because he was injured and he's been out of work am I right brother Eddie but he says I'm a giver and I know I got seed to sow and the city they owe me for this I'm not asking for more than what they owe but the moment they give it to me God knows my heart I want to take care of the church I want to help you and your wife he said I want to see this church grow we're going to pray for you brother Eddie for that to lose for your heart I want brother Vinny to come up here this young man uh, you know, working on a sales floor, uh, working in sales, doing home cleaning for vacuum, 
the moment, the, 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 what do you, vacuum the floors, right? No, clean the floors. Carpet cleaning. There we go. It's like, whoop. Do you know what he said? Look at this. Carpet cleaning. But this is why I'm calling him up right now. You know what he said to me? He said, I want to be a person that can give generously in the church. That's, that's why I want to be blessed. There's more of you. Would you just come right now? If you're just saying, I want God to bless me to be a blessing to others. Just come right now as we get ready to pray. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to have a degree. But if that spoke to you, we're going to pray for everybody, but that specific word. Let's just make room, ushers, and we're going to get ready to dismiss, and we're just going to do some soft worship and soft dismissal, and those who got to go, got to go. But we're going to start praying for folks to build the kingdom, and as you seek God's kingdom, God's going to bless you and your family. Father, I thank you for this church service today. I thank you for encouraging us, all the words that came forth. I pray now, God, as we start laying hands with this in mind to be a blessing so that we can have good to give. We shouldn't depend upon the government to do charity. Good Christian people should be able to help their neighbors because they have more than enough. God, the secret of a healthy economy is not in greedy politicians or corrupt businesses. It's in giving hardworking people. That's how America was built, Lord. Do it again through these people here. Do it through me, God. And give us a wonderful week, God, so that we not only overcome in finances, but in all the other areas, God. We overcome in this world through our, we overcome bad attitudes. We overcome discouragement. We overcome sickness. We overcome fear. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless him right now? The Lord is good, amen. You are dismissed, and go in peace. But if you just want to get prayed for, let the glory come. And just right now, we're going to start praying for this area. God bless those who have to go. And just.